He is a chain breaker. I know he broke my chain about the age of 12. And he's been fixing it ever since. <laughs> Today's title of the message is, What is Revival? We've been talking about it for six weeks, eight weeks. Just what is it? Maybe we don't know. I don't know. Today we're going to look at revival as we begin focusing on that for next week. Last month or so, we've been looking at that revival. And we've had many times on Wednesday night, we have been praying for revival. That, that bunch that comes on Wednesday night, we have been praying hard for revival. We've been praying for, for the lost, that they will come to the realization they, they're a sinner in need of a Savior. We've been praying for those who have been deceived, who think they are saved, but they're really not. We've been praying for Christians that, that uh, their walk will be a little stronger. Uh, their testimony will be a little bolder. That they will want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. To be strengthened in their faith. Then we've prayed for the church, that this church will be a lighthouse in a community that will have a bigger footprint, and our light will shine brighter here in Arapahoe and surrounding communities. We've been praying for that. And I hope you'll be praying for that too as we proceed on during this week. Charles Spurgeon, that great, great preacher, that great evangelist, maybe one of the best ones of all time says this about revival. He said, revival is to live again, to receive again a life which has almost expired, to rekindle into a flame the vital spark which has never been extinguished. That is to be revived. So what is revival? What is revival? Let's look at that here today. That's what we're going to look at. One of the definitions that I've got for revival is this. It's a spiritual reawakening, renewing, from a state of stagnation or dormancy in the life of a believer. Reawakening of the state of stagnation. Sometimes we become stagnant or dormant in our lives. And we need to be revived because of that. Let me ask you a couple of questions to see if you personally need revival. The first question is this. Do the things of the Lord no longer excite you? That the things of the Lord just are just that. If that is the case, if you answer yes to that, I would say you need revival. Is Bible reading, praying, coming to church, loving folks, having fellowship with other believers, if you no longer get any joy from that, that is, that is no longer a passion for you, I would say you need revival. Is the pull of this old world something that you pursue? 
as you seek out worldly pleasures and you know that some of the things that you do and say and think are wrong and yet it's okay, everybody does it, I would say you need revival. Maybe you're angry at God. Maybe things are just not working out. Maybe you think God has not answered your prayers. Maybe he answered it in a different way. Maybe life is a struggle. Maybe it's just been hard for you. And, and life doesn't seem to fit together. And, and sometimes in your mind you wonder, you know, what, what's going on, God? And you ever reach that point in your life and it's very easy to get to that point in your life. I would say if you answered yes to that, you probably need spiritual revival. What about you live your life and confession of sin just never happens anymore? You, you feel no urging or no conviction or no tugging from the Holy Spirit. And you can't remember the last time that, that, that you got down on your knees or stood or laid and you confessed, Father, I, I did this. I'm doing this. And you just don't feel like confession is what you want to do. I would suggest to you, you probably need spiritual revival. Revival is serious business. <laughs> First, Second Timothy 1 Timothy 1.6 says it this way. It says, for this reason, I remind you to rekindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I remember the last day we were in Zimbabwe last year. And I, I preached that verse. I preached that verse to be rekindled, to stir up the fire again. Because those pastors had had it hard, hard, hard. COVID had kept them apart. They had buried way too many people because of COVID. Inflation was running rampant. Things were just difficult. People weren't responding for the, to, the, to the gospel message. And these pastors are down. They were struggling. We, we gave them all uh, bracelets that says, keep the faith. As a reminder, when when life is so difficult that you don't know what to do, that you look at that bracelet and you're reminded to keep the faith. And what I tried to share with them and share with you is at night they would build a fire and they would put their 50-gallon uh, gallon bucket of water there and they'd heat their water that way. And there would be 20 or 30 or 40 men that, and women would be sitting around this campfire just having a big time just talking and carrying on and laughing and, and all us Americans are in bed trying to sleep and they're all, they're all up just having a big time. But then at night as, as the fire begins to go down, all of a sudden there's no flame anymore. All of a sudden you know how it is. It's just a little embers there. Just a little ember there. That just, just, just a very little spark. And, and in the morning what they do, they come and they stir that fire to refresh the fire, to rekindle the fire, to get that fire going. And just a few strokes, all of a sudden they've got now a flame. And I reminded them, and I will remind you, that is, that is revival. That is sometimes the embers of our life are just about out. 
The fire that we had for Christ is not as near as high as it used to be. And we're struggling with life and fitting in life all together. And the embers are just barely glowing. And I would suggest to them, and I suggest to you, that when you get in, in that stage of your life, what do you do? You begin to stroke that fire a little bit. You put a little wood on that fire and you stroke it again and you might blow on it a little bit. And within seconds, what happens to that fire? Boom, you got a flame. That, my friend, is revival. We all go through that, do we not? Revival is renewing of a love for God. It is a change of heart that we need many times in our life. We want to fall more in love with the Lord. It's a new appreciation for the holiness of God. A new appreciation for the holiness of God. Sometimes we forget just how perfect God is. Sometimes we forget how holy he is. Sometimes we think about and we read his words and we go, ah, I can't do that. And we see him working or we see his judgments going out. And we think, man, that's, uh, he's not holy. Let me tell you something. God is absolutely holy. He is absolutely perfect. And revival, when we come to revival, my prayer is that you and I will, some, will begin to realize and appreciate God's holiness. That we can't even begin to describe. It's a new passion for God's word. It's a new passion to want to read his word and to meditate on his word and to be obedient of his word. A revival is a new awareness of personal sin. You see, when we get to the point in our lives where we understand how holy God is, how perfect God is, and how sinful you and I are, revival just speaks and yells, I need to be more aware of my personal sin. I need to be more aware of, 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 of who I am and, and how I act and how I walk in this whole world. Revival is awareness of one's personal sin. The Bible tells us the closer we get to God with our hearts, the closer we get to God, the more sinful we will think that we are. You see, the closer we get to God, the closer that big spotlight of the Holy Spirit shines on your life. And the closer it is on your life and the brighter it gets to your life, the more sin that you can see. And the Holy Spirit will convict you of this sin. But when you're far away from the Lord and he shines that light on your life, that light is not near as bright on your personal sin. You can't see the dirt as much when you're far away from the Lord and when you can't see the dirt that you have in your own personal life, why do you need even to confess? Why do you need to repent? You see, the closer we get to God, the more he's going to reveal your personal sin. And that brings us to a desire for repentance. We see the holiness of God. We see our personal sin. And as we Christians are, we are called to repent. We are called to confess. We are called to turn around and go a different direction in our life if we need to be. And when we do that, what great refreshing comes in our lives. Revival is opening of our eyes and our hearts and our ears 
to seek the truth in a new and exciting way. That first definition I gave you, sometimes we get stagnant or we get dormant in our, in our faith, in our approach to God. Revival says, I want to open my ears and my heart to hear exactly what God has for me in my life. Revival is a fresh start and a clean slate. How do we get that fresh start and a clean slate? <laughs> it is through confession of known sin in your life. And when we confess, the Bible says what in First John? He is faithful and just to forgive us. And he forgives us and then he does something else to us. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You are no longer dirty. What a great feeling it is to be forgiven. An even greater feeling to know that the God of the universe has now cleansed you from all unrighteousness. You see, that is revival. Revival says I have to live in this world, but I don't have to be of this world. Yeah, I got to be here. But I don't have to think like this world. I don't have to speak like this world. I don't have to live like this world. I even don't have to be woke to live in this world. Well, that's a blessing, isn't it? Revival says, I got to be here. But because I got to be here, I have a Lord and Savior that says, I will never forsake you. I will never fail you. I will go before you when you will go down the road of life. I will stand beside you when you're walking that road of life. I'll even be behind you so nothing sneaks up behind you. The Bible says, I am your refuge and strength and help in time of trouble. Therefore, <laughs> I do not fear. Even though the world, the earth shakes and changes. That's empowerment to live the Holy Spirit. That is revival friends and we come and we get revived and we get renewed and regenerated and our love grows for the Lord that's pleasing to him pleasing to us that is revival well who needs it who needs revival <laughs> there's one right there she says I gotta have it thank you <laughs> who needs revival there's four groups of people that need revival. And every person in this room will fall into one of these groups, I promise you. Every one of them will. The first one that needs revival is the lost. Those that have never accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. Those that have rejected Him forever and forever. They don't need God, don't want God, I want nothing to do with that Jesus fella. Those are the lost. Luke 13, 3 says this, I tell you that unless you repent, you all likewise will perish. Well, that's a sobering thought. That's coming from Jesus. So I guess he knows what he's talking about. John three thirty six is another quote from Jesus, and I like it. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he that, who does not believe, who does not obey the Son, shall not see life. And here's the kicker, but the wrath of God abides on him. You see, the lost need to be revived because they are dead in their sins. And they have no hope for a future. 
Did you understand that the unsaved, the unbeliever, is one breath away from eternity? They are one breath away from spending eternity in hell. Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. Jesus described hell as fire and darkness. Jesus described hell as a place of torment. He described it as a place of pain and regret. I promise you, those that in hell would remember every church service they've ever been in. When the preacher offered an invitation and said, come accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And they rejected it and then rejected it and then they rejected it. And now there they are, sitting in the flames, regretting that they never took that step out of that pew and come to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Jesus says there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is just anguish because there they are. Jesus said it's a fire that never goes out. Says a worm never dies in hell. Where there is no escape, it's eternity of loneliness. And the addictions that you have here on this earth, you will take with you. If you're an alcoholic, you're going to have the same addiction in hell. If you're a drug addict, you'll have the same addiction. If you're a porn addict, you'll have the same addiction. But the difference between he- but this earth and hell is you'll find no satisfaction. There will not be any satisfaction to, to take the stress off of those addictions that you have. And you will have those for an eternity. You see, the lost need revival. You see, and I want to encourage you and every one of us in here, if you have a lost friend, if you have a lost family member, I urge you to get them to the revival. I urge you to pray and begin asking God to draw them. To draw them to Him. And then we must be in a business of asking, requesting, going to pick up those lost people that we know. Because eternity is a long time. And hell is very serious. Ain't nobody got time for that. And we are called as his children to be the, be the footprints and the steps and the voice of Jesus to go round them up. The second group I want to speak to you just real quickly is what I call the deceived. People who that believe that they're saved, but they're really not. People that uh, say, well, I got baptized at an early age. I got wet, Yeah. Well, I walked down the aisle and I had a friend come up with me and we, we talked to the pastor and everything's good and I, we got baptized. I was young, didn't know what I was doing, but, but I, think it's, I think it's good. I mean, somewhere it says somewhere done it about eternal security. I don't know. Or maybe you are, uh, I've, been, uh, I've been a Baptist all my life. I've been a Presbyterian all my life. I've been going to that church for 80 years. Maybe you're just a good person. Maybe you do a lot of good work. Maybe you donated a ton of money to the church. But you see, none of those bring salvation. I hate to tell you that. None of those bring salvation. 
Your mom and dad were believers. Doesn't make you one. And you said in church or you said every someplace else or you listen to these guys over and over and over. And you sit there and you think, yeah, I'm saved. Yep, I got it. Yep, 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 I'm saved. Yep, yep, yep. But deep down inside, you know you're really not. You know there's something that's missing in your life. You know it's just not right. And the, and, and the devil is out to deceive you. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. He didn't want you going to heaven. And he'll saddle up beside you and say, good job, buddy. Yep, 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 you're born again. Yep, you're born again. Yep, you're born again. And yet you're not. One Wednesday, I spent about a month ago, uh, Wednesday nights, uh, just put a plug in for Wednesday nights. I mean, we, we pray for a lot of folks. Um, we've begun having testimonies uh, from volunteers about how they got saved. That's been unbelievably interesting, to say the least. Uh, about a month ago, um, before we even started that, Rhonda was, was, was there, and, and we were talking about something or something, and she got kind of, she didn't know it at the time, but she gave her a little testimony. And she said, you know, uh, when I was a kid, I, I walked down the aisle, and I got baptized thinking that I'm good to go. But she said, as, as the years went by, I understood that something was missing in my life. It just didn't seem to fit right. And I don't remember what age it was, 19 or 20. We were, hadn't been married very long, I don't think. That the Holy Spirit and God revealed to her that she wasn't really saved. That, that she was lost as a goose. And at that age, thinking that she was, and now realizing that she wasn't through the, through the grace of, of God... She accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior, and she got saved at that point. She thought she was good, and yet conviction and the God in His grace said, no, you're not. There are people in this auditorium right today who will, will fall under that category, I'm afraid. And I have to tell you, I'm going to have to warn you, you got to, you got to serve Christ as Lord and Savior. Some of, the, some of the most saddest verses, if you would, in the Bible... And I don't mean to be sad about it, but I got to tell you the truth. And that's uh, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. And Jesus is talking about those that have been deceived, those that think they are, but they're really not. And I'm not trying to get anybody to doubt their faith. But the Bible tells us to examine ourselves. In these verses, it says this, and you know these verses, and these are hard verses. And Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Verse 22 says this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name did we not cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? Did we not do all these great things for you, Jesus? And that next verse, such such a sad verse. And then I will declare to them, Jesus says, not me, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's tragic. That is sad. One of the saddest things, I, 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 I'll try to get something positive here in a minute. Is <laughs> a person who thinks they've been born again, thinks they've lived the Christian life, and they take their last breath here and their first breath in hell. Can you imagine the pain, the anguish, the tears? 
here for eternity and there's no door out of here? You see, you got to know that you know that you know that you've been born again. You got to know that. Because eternity rests on that. <sighs> makes me sad just to say it. Now, I know it makes you sad to hear it, but you got to know the truth. I cannot allow somebody to pass from this earth that sits in these congregational pews that thinks they've been born again and they haven't been. I have to speak the truth, no matter what. How do you know if you've been born again? I would tell you to go to 1 John. 1 John's got five chapters. You can read it in 20 minutes. 1 John will tell you over and over and over. You can know that you've been born again. By, and it tells you some different things. I don't have time to go in those right now. But you can know that you know. 1 John, one, chapters 1 through 5, just read them. And pause where, where it says, you will know that you are my children. By, and then fill in the blank. I would, I would suggest to you that's a great place to start. I would say the deceived need revival. The third group, real quickly, is Christians. You and I need revival sometimes. Revival for a Christian is, is kind of like when you first got saved. Did you know it? It's almost identical. Because when you first got saved, Christian friend, the Holy Spirit initiated an awareness in your life that says something's not right here. That you're, not, you're missing something here in your life. And the Holy Spirit, and that's called conviction. And the Holy Spirit began convicting you and, and showing you that you needed some help. And, 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 the, and the Holy Spirit became, helped you become aware of, of who you were and what you needed. And you, you accepted that. You came down that aisle and you accepted Jesus as your, as your Lord and Savior because of that conviction and you've been born again and you're born again forever and forever. That's how, that's how that works. That's how revival will work in the life of a Christian next week. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you if there's things in your life that you need or, or, or areas that you're uh, going sideways on. And I would urge you as Christians that is, when that happens, when that conviction hits you to be obedient to him, Remember that verse, humble yourself? <laughs> That's what you have to do sometimes is humble yourself. Say, yeah, you're right, God. I, I, I agree with you, God. I, I shouldn't do that. And instead of sitting in that pew and just go, yeah, this feeling will leave me one day. If you want refreshment, you want cleansing, you want forgiveness, you want, you want to feel a closeness to God, do what God tells you to do, Christian friend. Do what he tells you to do. Because it will be the best thing that you will ever do in your life. The Apostle Paul says, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. That was Apostle Paul. He's called us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. John, that great apostle in 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christian friend, as we begin revival, I would urge you, urge you, to do what Psalm 139, 23, and 24 says. And sometimes this is hard. Sometimes it's hard. 
Because those, three, those two verses says this, Search me, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and, and, and show any of my anxious thoughts. And if there's any hurt, any pain, anything that I'm doing wrong, lead me into the everlasting way. Father, search me. I, my prayer for every Christian in here, that you will pray that, that you will allow God and his Holy Spirit to search who you are, to examine yourself, to see if there's anything in your life that, that needs to be adjusted. And then I would urge you to allow your Holy Spirit to adjust you, <laughs> if you would. And then the fourth group, real quick. Churches as a whole need revival. Churches as a whole need revival. We read in Revelation, and that's where these are. You can see there's four of them up there. Briefly about each one of those. The church of Ephesus, you read about it in Revelation 2. They left their first love. That's what Jesus said about this church. They had left their first love. They no longer had a zeal for the things of God. They were bogged down just living life and not ever seeking after the Lord. It was as if another service, let's get through it. And they lost the joy of serving the Lord. But you see, revival, you know what revival can do? Revival can restore that lost love. Restore that lost love. The church at Smyrna was facing persecution, it said. Times were tough. Life was hard. They were struggling with life. They were struggling because they were Christian. And they really didn't know what to do because of the persecution that was coming upon them. And I say to you that when that happens in a person's life or the life of a church, revival can bring new hope when life is tough. Revival brings new hope in those areas of life that we struggle with. That church needed revival. A third church was a church of Pergamon. It was a compromising church. They wanted to be woke. They wanted to fit in with their surroundings, with their community, with, with the signs of the time, you might say. And they compromised their faith. They compromised what the real gospel said. They allowed culture to change the gospel instead of the gospel changing the culture. And we see that all over America today, churches that are compromising, denominations that are compromising. So they, they think they have to fit in. They don't have to fit in. They just got to fit in with God. And follow his word. They were compromising. And Jesus tells them, no, you can't be doing that. The last church, the church of Sardis. They say it's a dead church. Oh my, it's a dead church. But they said, Jesus said, you got all the money you guys need <laughs> at your church. You are prosperous. You are wealthy. You've got huge auditoriums. You got tons of classrooms. You got smoke machines. You got guitar players. You got everything you ever. You're a mega church, guys. But he said, "Church, you're dead. 
because you have no spiritual life about you. You're going about life just like everybody in this whole world is going about life. And you have no power for the Christian faith. There's no growth. There's no spiritual life about you. And Jesus says, you are a dead church. But guess what? Revival can resuscitate a dead church. Revival can jumpstart a dead heart in a church. Revival can jumpstart a dead heart in a person and get him to get out of the dark and into the light of holy Jesus. You see, there's four groups that need Jesus. I promise you, there, there are some of us in, in every one of those groups today. It hit everybody. It hits me. I don't want to point fingers because when you do, you get three pointing back at, at you. So how do we do that? How does revival happen? I told you today. Humble yourself. Pray hard. Seek the Lord. Repent when repentance is needed in your life. And I promise you, I promise you, revival will come to you and to this church if you just would. I'm going to ask you this week in closing a couple of things. I'm going to ask you to take that prayer sheet and pray through that every day. At least that, that's minimum, okay? Holy Spirit might lead you in a different direction to pray. Yeah, I get that. That's great. That's great. I mean, Holy Spirit knows more, a lot more than I do on how you should pray. Pray for that. And the second thing I'm going to ask you to do, if you would, is to make a four-day commitment to be in his house for revival. Four days of your life is all you got. All, that's all you have to be here. <laughs> and I hope it's not have to be here. I hope you want to be here. Hope you look forward to it. But I'm going to ask you to do that. I mean, it's just a, a small commitment. I know we're busy. I know we've got things going on. I know life is, is hectic. But what better place to come and to plug in to the power cord of Christ to get us to be able to live the Christian life? I don't know. As we bow our heads and close our eyes for invitation time, I just want to say this. You know, we, we've talked about revival and coming up and all that kind of good stuff. But you don't have to wait for revival next week to come and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't have to wait. It, it, it's just as good today if you do. If you believe that you are deceived, you don't have to wait till next week to come. You can do it right now. If you're a Christian and you need filling up, you can do that now. However the Lord leads, I would ask you to do business with the Lord. The altars will be open. I'll be up here if you just want to talk. Hit me up after church if you want to. We'll talk. If I hit you today in some form or fashion and you have a question, I'm here to help you. As the piano plays, I ask you to do business with Holy God.